0: Racism is not limited uh, to the whites looking uh, upon other people of other color or, you know, it's, it's really universal. Indians joke about other cultures. Chinese joke about other cultures. It's all wrong. As Christians, we should get rid of, uh, uh, you know, in our minds uh, that they are races. There may be different color and many of us go and, you know, bake in the sun in order to be like the color that some people are. <laughs> So we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, you know, look upon color as something that is, uh, you know, somebody who's below us. Uh, the Lord scripture makes it quite clear, made all mankind of one blood. We all come from Adam and Eve.
1: Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. Today we are continuing our series on religions, and cults. Today we're looking at Sikhism, and we have the Reverend Kuldeep Ken Gangar, a convert from Sikhism, and we're thankful for the testament that God has given him. Yesterday we had our first part of the this series, and we're continuing today with part two. One of the things that uh, the Reverend Gangar deals with very, very effectively is the church should be equipped To reach people of all races. Now there are some people who think that to witness to people of other religions, that that is wrong, that they should be left alone. Well, I want to read to you from Acts 17 and how Paul the Apostle went into the city of Athens. He went to Mars Hill and there he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. That is that they were more religious than others for I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, saying that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood of all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Now, what Paul is emphasizing here is that there is only one race, that's the human race, and Dr. Uh, Reverend Gungar will explain to us what ought to be the Christian's attitude to racism. And uh, this is something that should be absolutely uh, abhorrent in the Christian church. The Christian church is to be an international church, reaching men of all persuasions and all backgrounds. And I hope that you will pick that up today as we turn to Reverend Gungar. Firstly, we have uh, a message in song. And don't go away without Jesus. And, of course, that's our burden, that men and women may trust our Lord Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. mentioned, uh, we are looking at Sikhism, and we have the Reverend Kuldeep Gangar, who is ministering today on his own testimony, converted from Sikh religion to biblical Christianity. May the Lord bless you through his word today.
0: Now, if you think of the Bible, there's something really interesting that the land of milk and honey <laughs> was, a, was a land that had another purpose also, God blessed the Israelites not merely giving them the promised land but giving them a land where they would be a blessing to the nations you know that land has been a war zone and will continue to be a war zone and there may be a good reason why it's a war zone Israel actually failed in its purpose it was placed in a strategic route that connected three major continents, Europe, Africa and Asia. All the major religions of the world stem from Asia. Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, or Sikhism, all come from the continent of Asia. And Israel was meant to be a living example, a city set on a hill. That's why people going up to Jerusalem, were always described as going up to the house of the Lord. They were to be an example both in their life and the word that God revealed to them. But instead, they almost built a wall around themselves. They segregated themselves in a wrong way. And instead of being a blessing to the nations, they themselves, by their life and by their lack of reaching people, it actually became a curse. And the Lord had to, as it were, throw them out of the land, both in Assyria and later in Babylon. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the true Israelite, was what brought light to the nations. That's what the New Testament says, he shall be a light to the Gentiles. And I think the church of our Lord Jesus Christ is no longer limited to a geographical area. Is no longer limited to one particular people. It's international. And that's what I like to say. I would love to see every church full of people that are from different nations. Not one. And I'm glad to see that there are people from different countries here too. That's how the church should be. The Lord broke down the middle wall of partition. And if the Bible is our You know, the revelation that God has given, it's universal. It speaks to all cultures. No other religion in the world does that. They always have to accommodate. They always have to change certain things and repackage them to make them acceptable. But Christianity does not do that. And I would like to uh, uh, cover this topic maybe briefly. First, how we prepare our house for the guests. That is, if you're going to reach out to people of another culture, another religion, how do you prepare, especially in relation to Sikhs? And uh, I just want to briefly say a few things. First, there should be no uh, sense of race superiority. Racism is not limited uh, to the whites looking uh, upon other people of other color, or, you know, it's really universal. Indians joke about other cultures. Chinese joke about other cultures. It's all wrong. As Christians, we should get rid of, uh, uh, you know, in our minds, uh, that they are racist. There may be different color, and many of us go and, you know, bake in the sun in order to be like the color that some people are. <laughs> so we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, you know, look upon color as something that is... Uh, you know somebody who's below us uh, the Lord scripture makes it quite clear made all mankind of one blood we all come from Adam and Eve uh, we're not made of different kind of blood uh, different you know materials so that when you go to the doctors oh boy I can't deal with him he's from India <laughs> they know how to deal with you they know how to give blood transfusion so bear that in mind and sometimes you know there is a I've heard from a, a pastor and that's why I don't want this on the web I've heard people say well these people stink that's terrible I mean it's understandable by the world they'd say all sorts of foolish things but you know when that comes from uh, an office bearer in the church you think what kind of office bearer that is and one person says every time I see one of these dockies I want to run, run him over with my truck now That was an elder in the church, and I said, well, if that's the case, I would ask for his resignation or repentance on the spot. He cannot continue in the church of Jesus Christ with an attitude like that and not be challenged. And those kind of things are disturbing to me. I feel, how how are we going to move ahead to reach the nations if that's the kind of things that we bear in our heart? So we, we must really pray before the Lord... Yes, there, there may be a different kind of smell there may be, The food smells different from ours But you know, uh, smells are good God has given us two nostrils for that purpose Food wouldn't be appetizing if it didn't smell And I think we should get rid of this idea That any particular color is inferior All men, all are image bearers of the living God That's why we respect life because they bear the image of God. And secondly, when I if I ask the question, what does the word "reformed" mean, uh, Presbyterian and Reformed, what does it mean? If it means in our minds something that is connected to a particular country, like I'm from basically a Dutch church, if you like, with uh, Netherlands origin, and most of the church is Dutch. Um, now if immediately they think of Reformed being somehow connected with Holland, then I think that's a mistake. Now history is important and we don't put down history, our roots are important, that's not, I'm not speaking against that. But if to be a Reformed Christian means you have to be connected somehow with Ireland or somehow with the Netherlands, then somehow I don't think that's Reformed Christianity. Because anybody who's not will always be a second-class citizen. People have always asked me, whether I'm, because I'm married uh, to an American, whether somehow my wife is Dutch. Because they, they just think, how, can, how on earth did you become a Christian, and reformed Christian at that, uh, if you're not Dutch? And I have to keep saying, but the Word of God, surely you didn't derive it from anywhere else. If you did, then it's not really biblical. It must be derived from the scriptures. And however much we respect our history, our, you know, uh, we should not uh, think of reform in terms of our roots. We should think biblically. When people ask me why I am what I am in terms of my particular uh, uh, allegiance as they were today, I say this is the closest interpretation to the word of God that I find today. If somebody shows me a glaring error in what I hold, then by God's grace, I hope that I would change at that point. One of the cries of the Reformation was that we're always reforming. But I rarely see it in reformed communities. They're so set in stone that you feel like it's not true that we're always changing. We need to be learning and growing together. And thirdly our Traditions. you know, sometimes when I've, gone, when I've been in uh, churches, when you ask a question, why do you do this? People always say, well, that's the way we always did it. That's our tradition. Uh, just to give you one example from our churches, uh, people, all the elders sat at the front and it, it, you know, it was kind of difficult for me when I came into that church I said well, why do you all sit at the front your wives with their 6-7 you know, children are all struggling to keep them in line and you, you sit nicely and quietly at the front every Sunday, what sense does it make well at first uh, some people didn't like that, they thought "Oh, this guy is coming from the outside and he's challenging our tradition, but you know they couldn't give me an explanation I mean I don't I mean, in one sense, I didn't care if they continued sitting that way, but I just wanted an explanation. And some people think, well, I'm maybe upturning their, you know, their whole system. And then I discovered that in the Netherlands, the, the elders sat at the front. And the reason why they did that was they kept notes on who was present in their ward and who was not, so they could follow up. Well, that made sense to me. But to sit at the front facing the pastor doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> so that practice has now been changed only one elder sits at the front after he's shaken the minister's hand and the rest go back and sit with their families and their families I'm sure are thankful that somebody raised the question I'm reminded of a story in this vein that a young girl who was observing her mother cooking a special dinner for Thanksgiving and there were four generations of the family present And the mother was just about to put the roast in the pan. Before she did so, she cut both ends of the roast. And when the daughter asked, Mom, why did you do that? The mother replied, she did not know except her mother always did that. So they went to the grandmother to ask, why did you cut off the roast at both ends? Again the reply came, her mother always did that. So they went to the great-grandmother. And she replied, she did that because the pan was too small. (laughs) Now, despite the fact that the pan was large enough, the roast was cut simply because her mother had done it. And sometimes traditions are that way. We just do it, you know, and that's because our parents did it, and our grandparents did it, and we never, unless somebody from the outside comes and says, just like the little girl, Mom, why are you cutting the ends of the roast? You've got a big enough pan. Why are you doing it? And I think it amounts to that... And the fifth reason why uh, that we need to prepare, when we invite people from other cultures into the church, and by the grace that they are changed by the preaching they hear in our churches, we must be prepared, and I think this is maybe one of the reasons and fears that people have, is that those people changed will seek marriage partners within the church. And this is where a real test comes then. Uh, are we prepared for that? I remember when I was going to an English church, I'm sure that was one of the biggest fears. In fact, I went to an English church and I said to the elder the first time I went in, I said, I really felt welcome here. (laughs) And he was very honest. He said, that's because there's only one of you. How was his reaction? And sure enough, he was right. Because when more Indians came into that church, the white population left. And maybe one of the reasons is the fact of intermarriage. Four in my family, because of Christianity, not because we find the white color superior, Uh, as I said, there's only one race, you know, the Lord has... uh, But because we couldn't find, uh, you know, Indian Christians at the time, being the only family, uh, we were all married, four of my brothers are all married cross-culturally. And uh, people thought that our marriages would fall apart because they have a wrong view of the Western world. But those marriages are the strongest in our family. It's not because of color, it was because of faith. We wanted to marry in the Lord, and that was important to us. And I even said to my parents, I said, if you find me a girl that's Christian and Indian, I will gladly accept. And they found one. (laughs) And I did accept. (laughs) But the father of the girl rejected me. And not because of my Christianity, because she was Christian, but because of caste he was from a higher caste so he said I didn't understand anything about the caste system at the time but to him that was important and sixthly I would like to say that one of the ways we prepare is and I'm you know obviously this was prepared generally for anybody hearing is that we dress very modestly we dress very modestly I was talking with the Muslim uh, a little while back and he was going on and on about how women dress in this culture and how Comparing them with you know prostitutes and I was really offended because he was basically saying this country is Christian and look what Christians do and of course we know that that's not the case and so I said to him I said well of course you never think of a dirty thought do you you're pure and he went silent you know just because you're limited by your society that doesn't mean that you don't have filthy thoughts going through the very fact that you notice all those things indicates that but it is important however for us as Christians to be mindful that people from those cultures look at us the way they dress. They're very modest. Now the next generation will be just as bad as many in our country. you know. Uh, so we're not saying one is superior than the other. But for Christians, I plead that we dress in such a way that we do not give any cause for the name of Christ to be brought into disrepute. That we dress modestly. One of the questions that they had. Your sons are going to go running after you know, white girls. are going to be doing all the... And you know they did not find them. My father could not. That's what they told him. But we know we respected his wishes. In fact even my sister when she got married. The boy came to our home. Never dated. And he broke down all his arguments. And I think we have to live in such a way. And dress and act in such a way. Uh, that people know that Christianity is not to be confused with our wide culture. Secondly, to understand our guest, some of, something about his religion. Now, this section, uh, as I said, is derived from the notes that I uh, took from the various uh, people that I've talked to, so it's not something that... Uh, and I'm just going to briefly run through some of their uh, belief systems... You know, not everybody who's a Sikh has ever read the Guru Granth Sahib. That is their their holy book. In fact, most of them have never read it. I asked an Indian only two days ago. I was in their home. And he himself confessed that 80% have never read any of the religious documents of his religion. 80%. So therefore, we don't have to be knowledgeable and, you know, theologically uh, know everything about them. Just ask them what they believe. In fact, I met with a Sikh leader, a leader, a master's degree, very educated, an engineer. And he was going around churches uh, trying to educate them about Sikhism in churches. And so I decided that I wanted to meet with him, and I met with him in the library. And uh, I had a hundred questions prepared for him on Sikhism. Well, he realized that's going to take a long time. So he said, "Let me just tell you uh, in in brief." So I just asked him a very basic question. I said, "Tell me about what you believe concerning God." And he went quiet. I said, "Define for me what you understand by the concept of God." He said, "Well, God is everything." That didn't leave you know that really didn't define anything. <laughs> to say it's everything, well. In Hindu terms, I can understand it. God is everything, pantheism. So I asked him again, I said, well, let me ask the question in another way. Is God evil? Because obviously evil is in the world. There are wicked things happen. Is that God too? Is that part of God? He said, no. So I said, then God is not certain things. And then he turned the microphone, because I was recording, he turned it to me and he said, what do you believe about God? (laughs) I was not hoping to get into a discussion. So I defined for him, out of the shorter catechism, what God is. God is a being, eternal, unchangeable, you know, in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And I was, then I asked the next question. And again, you know, he was getting irritated by now. And finally I said to him, I said, but why are you getting so agitated? You're, you know, you're getting angry at me, and I'm not, all I'm doing is asking you a question. I didn't even come to share with you my Christianity at this point. I wanted to find out what Sikhs believe. And then he revealed to me why he was getting angry with me. He said he had, he had talked with the Christian and that Christian told him that if he didn't believe in Christ he was going to go to hell. And that was at the back of his mind and here was a, a former Sikh now converted to Christianity and he didn't like that. So what, what do they believe concerning God? They believe that there is one ultimate reality. However, that ultimate reality that they call God is not someone who's personal. He said it could be a he, she, or an it. They don't know. Really, it's a faceless God. There's no no concept of God. In fact, He is without attributes, according to their own definition. But most people, of course, find that very difficult, and therefore they tend to Adopt almost gods from Hinduism some even make the gurus the ten gurus into gods if you go in to seek home they'll have their pictures on the wall so that's their definition of god Um, they do not believe in many gods that's true that's over against Hinduism they do not believe there are many gods Vishnu, Shiva, Krishna, Ram Brahma um, and the purpose is for us to become one with God. Uh, there are two levels. One says that uh, we become by meditating uh, on a particular mantra or name. Uh, nam Japna means you know saying the holy name of God. Um, and somehow you rise beyond uh, to be one with God. Um, They believe in what is known as karma. Karma is the idea that uh, whatever deeds that you do, whatever good you do, will affect your next life. And they believe that a person could go through as many as 8,400,000 lives.
1: That was Reverend Kuldeep Gangar, and converted from Sikhism. We appreciate the insights that he has given, firstly to his own conversion and to the need for uh, Sikhs to be born again. We need all to be missionaries because missionaries have a message that the world needs. And men and women who are living without Christ, without a Savior, who are living in a realm of other ideas and concepts which are Really, have no foundation or no basis; men and women need to be brought to the knowledge of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus and so, what a great mission field we have right here in this part of the world to reach men and women who are in the Sikh religion. Perhaps it's cultural, perhaps it is something they're born into, Nevertheless, they need the Bible, they need the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to pray that God in his grace will bring men to that saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Join us again tomorrow as we continue this message, part two, and then the following day, part three. And we'll be hearing again uh, Reverend Kuldeep Gangar as he gives us uh, these insights into reaching Sikhs. So may the Lord bless you. Stay tuned with us now for the announcements today as we... Let the Bible speak.